And we are live from the Empire of Lies, an oasis of free speech, open debate, and reality in the vast wasteland that is the Biden administration's New World Order. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. Well, Rod, have you heard about this raid on Mar-a-Lago yet? Uh, no, this is the first time I'm hearing about it, so uh, can you tell me more? <laughs> sure. Now, the repercussions from the raid are all over the news today. Is that fair to say? You've seen that, right, Rod? Right, yeah. <laughs> the fallout from the raid and the statements by FBI Director Chris Ray, and we just had a press conference in the past hour from Merrick Garland, the Attorney General. You watched that, right, Rod? And you went over... Yeah, I did. What's your briefing on Merrick Garland's statement? How would you sum it up? Uh, uh, One, he personally approved of this raid. Uh, Two... Uh, I forgot what number two is, but most importantly, the one thing he said is uh, he's been noticing that people have been uh, castigizing the uh, FBI and the DOJ, and he's, and he's personally involved and wants to speak out about that. And uh, that was about it, Lee. And they're going to well, release they're going to release the affidavit uh, the so everyone can see it. So that was that was it. Right, because they're legally required to now, but so that's nice that they're following the law when they have to, but. He did say he's warning people, and Christopher Ray came out, he's warning people they're hearing about violence, not by the FBI, we already had that, but he's hearing about violence against the FBI. Some people are upset, and we told you, don't even bother talking about, you know, violence against the FBI and retaliation about that. That is exactly the trap they would like Trump supporters to fall into. Do you agree with that, Rod? Yeah, and uh, I know you've probably seen this, uh, the Cincinnati FBI headquarters. There was uh, some type of threat outside. I don't know how true it is. I mean, it's the FBI saying it, So, but uh, suppose allegedly there's a, there was a threat at the Cincinnati office. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Trump supporters a hint. The FBI doesn't care about your feels. Right now, the FBI does not care one bit if you are shocked or anything by the Mar-a-Lago raid. I think that's fair to say, right, Rod? They, they're saying we did it and we were justified in doing it. And I'm seeing a lot of people on the left applauding this. And I'll tell you what they think, you and I think. They think we're confused. Let me ask you, Rod, did you for one second ever or do you now think that Donald Trump, what he is going to be charged with is not actually a crime on the books? Do you think they're gonna make up a charge and just throw it on Trump? Do you think that? Because I don't. I don't think that for one second. Do you, Rod? No, no. So they're saying this is a legitimate charge and that we don't want to talk about that. You're, you're right. Because my issue isn't, I'm sure they found a charge they could charge Trump with, right? They's guilt, guilty of. They found a charge they could convict him of, in fact. But 
That is not what I'm outraged about. I'm outraged that we're, in fact, even here. And in fact, this happening is not normal. They're acting like this is normal. Presidents are not rated. Right or wrong, this is not normal. Usually they go through a more civil process. Is that fair to say, Rod? Yeah, for sure, Lee. This is, this is not normal. But like you said, I, I 100% agree. They are trying to act... Even how Merrick Garland in his uh, in his in his announcement today, just a, a few minutes ago, he's trying to pretty much say that this is normal, everything's up up to code, and uh, you shouldn't say anything about it because you know the, the FBI and the DOJ are in the right. Now you know we're going to be talking about this more today, especially since our guest. By the way, I don't know, Rod, did you hear that in California there's actually an organization that's dedicated to keeping Republicans from getting elected? Have you heard about this group? Yeah, I've heard about them, Lee. It's called the Republican Party. And the reason I say that is our first guest this hour, Allison Hayden, and she's running as a Republican for Congress. But who is coming out against Allison Hayden, Rod? The the Republican Party and the Republican establishment. Yes. And apparently they want Eric Swalwell to still hold office. So we'll talk to Allison about that this hour. Then the second hour, the publisher of the fourth most influential right-wing website, conservative website, news site, according to Harvard and Columbia University Journalism School. Did you know know who that is, Rod? I'll bet you do. Yeah, I do. It's Jim Plant who's the publisher of the Gateway Pundit, and he's our guest today. I knew you knew, because you booked him as a guest. So, Jim Hoff, forgive me. You, you know what it is? I used to publish a magazine about the video toaster. I've talked about my involvement with that product years ago. And the guy who published the magazine, Video Toaster User, was one of my close friends at the time, and I learned a lot about magazine publishing from him and he's another publisher i know named jim jim plan was his name so i'm confused when i start thinking about publishers named jim does that make sense forgive me rod and jim hobb no it's all good it makes sense makes sense yes so and we're taking your calls 202-521-1320 this is the backstory Okay, so let's for the clip get the clip with Representative Perry, Scott Perry, ready to go first. That's what I want to go to first. So the other thing is that the other thing is happening, Rod, as you know, a congressman had his phone seized by the FBI. Now again, I'd put that in the category of unusual. Do you hear about that every day or every week, Rod? Or do you consider it rare? No, I consider that rarely. And, you know, we're talking about California and Allison Hayden's run against Swalwell. Uh, He's been proven to been sleeping with a Chinese spy and he's still got his cell phone, right? Yes. And so does she, by the way. And uh, the fact that they and Jim Jordan and the other thing about this, this Perry, Scott Perry, He's the head of the Freedom Caucus. 
Now, that sounds a little scary to me, Rod. The Freedom Caucus, they're probably going to hit people with their copies of the Bill of Rights. Who knows what they will do? Right? So this guy, Congressman Scott Perry, was on Tucker Carlson's show last night. And Tucker was not. He's on vacation this week. By the way, Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA suspects that this raid was timed to go with the Tucker vacation. I don't know about that. I don't think that they plan raids necessarily. But it certainly was fortuitous that the number one talk show host on Fox, the top-rated right-wing talk show host, Tucker Carlson, was on vacation this week. I think it was a coincidence, but that's me, Rod. Do you are you so far gone in conspiracy land that you agree with Charlie Kirk that they planned it that way, or do you think it was just fortuitous timing, Rod? What say you? Uh, no, I would say it's, it's a coincidence, but it you know it it goes in their favor though. It still works in their favor because we know if Tucker would have been on air. He would have, you know, he would, that would have been the whole show, and uh, MSNBC and CNN would be playing the clips, laughing at it. Now, they have Brian Kilmeade filling in for Tucker this week, which is hardly a replacement. Uh, so I'm not insulting Brian Kilmeade, but I, I literally just insulted him. I don't think he's a good replacement for, for, for Tucker. Do you, Rod? Are you impressed by Brian Kilmeade? Oh, no, he's very vanilla. Also, Brian Kilmeade, Kilmeade has already a great job with Fox News. He he hosts, co-hosts the morning show, Fox and Friends. And I don't think, as a matter of policy, it's a good idea to put someone who's got a great job. I think when someone's on vacation, you try somebody out in that slot. Does that make sense, Rod? Yeah, no, I, w- I would agree with that. And apparently, but there's nobody, and this is true at Fox, there's nobody they have who who they're trying out to replace Tucker if anything goes wrong with Tucker and he leaves or is fired or whatever. And they don't have, do you, does can you think of let me put it this way, Rod, can you think of anyone at Fox who you think would make a good replacement for Tucker who's currently on the air? I cause I can't. I can't think of anyone. Currently at Fox, no. No. Yeah. I think I think they rage pay Tucker because they know if he goes the, the you know, um, their whole stock and everything goes down because that's no I think he's keeping them afloat. Yes, I agree. And you would think if you're trying to run a business, such as a TV network, you'd try to find somebody who's like that, which is why I think they should be trying out new people. But do you know might be good, by the way, if he ever leaves Congress? Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, you're familiar with him from Twitter. I think he'd be a good potential candidate. Would you agree with that, Rod? Yeah, no, Thomas Thomas Massey's a uh, he's a smart guy. He's actually he has some accomplishments that he can uh, hold his hat on. Unlike the uh, most politicians, who are just uh, all mouth. But yeah, I would I would agree with that. 
And uh, so let's go with the clip now. Let's buzz. Because Scott Perry was on Tucker last night, I thought people should hear directly from the person involved in this. So this is a fairly long clip, about two minutes, about him talking about what happened. A congressman having his phone seized by the FBI just the next day after Mar-a-Lago is raided. So let's hear about this from Congressman Perry. Hit it. Brian, you're absolutely right. I got a knock on the door uh, in the morning. I went to the door. There are three FBI agents. Of course, like you said, I'm traveling with my family. Uh, we have two young daughters. I'm with my, uh, my elderly in-laws. And, uh, you know, they, they want to take my cell phone. And, and I said, you know, could you contact my attorney? You know, why, why does this have to happen, you know, out on the street? You know, and, and how did you find me, by the way? And, of course, they wouldn't answer that question. Uh, they said they were going to image the cell phone and return it sometime later since I didn't have a phone. And this is my personal cell phone, Brian. I have a, uh, you know, I have a, uh, a, a official cell phone. They don't, they don't want that. So this is my personal cell phone that I talk to my wife on, that I talk to my children on, my constituents. None of the government's business. Uh, you know, and of course, immediately the story blows up. I'm sure you know. Uh, you know, what's interesting, though, is, is while that story blew up, I heard from my attorneys who talked directly to the Department of Justice who said that I, their client, am not a target of this investigation. Now think about that. If I'm not a target, why do they come follow me, you know, find me on when I'm traveling with my family? They don't come to my house. They don't contact my attorney. Why do they come and seize my cell phone to image it in, in that fashion? If they would have just caught, contacted my attorney, certainly we would have provided the information necessary as required by law, and that would have been the end of it. But they want this spectacle. They want this show. They want the intimidation. And, of course, the media is not saying anything about the fact that, you know, reported today that I am not a target of the uh, of this investigation. Okay. And so, look, this is this is the DOJ run amok. And I think what people need to really think about is in about a day, we're going to vote on a package and it'll probably pass where they're going to employ 87,000 new IRS agents. What do you think they're going to be doing? They're, they're going to be coming for all of you. You know, so yesterday it was my cell phone. Tomorrow it's going to be it's going to be average, hardworking Americans that are just trying to make it through their day. Now, I had to point out something here. Christopher Ray is the head of the FBI, right, Rod? That's correct. So I'm going to express my outrage that Joe Biden nominated a guy like Christopher Ray. This guy's obviously corrupt, and under him. The FBI is very dangerous. And Joe Biden nominating him and putting Christopher Ray. You see any problems here so far, by the way? Feel free to show me anytime, Rod. Yeah, and one major problem. It, uh, Donald Trump proudly nominated him. Oops. Oops. Well, but that was an intentional mistake, Rod. You, you're picking my joke there. Yeah, Donald, no, <laughs> Donald Trump. I got to point it out because I occasionally make, you know, mistake mistakes. That happens too. But Donald Trump nominated Christopher Ray, So Donald Trump, once again, putting people in place who are not loyal, not to him, but to the Constitution. And let's get the calls. 202-521-1320. We'll go to Tarif, then Al Killer, then Ingrid. So, Ingrid, hang tight. We'll get to you. Don't worry. Tarif, what is on your mind? Thank you all for taking my call today. I have two comments. 
first, I like to see you the signs. My first comment is this. The Dumbass region in North Korea is supposed to be in um, you know, talks to be recognized, recognizing each other. I think they already recognize each other already. You, you already have North Korean contractors, construction workers working in Dumbass already. But it's just reported that Kim Jong-un want to um, send 100,000 fully owned troops to Dumbass to um, help the Dumbass region fighting against Ukraine. If he can do that, he can give his troops uh, combat experience, and also he can break the um, isolation of North Korea. While he he also want North Korea to be as a world leader as well, especially dealing with the global South. So the North Korea, I mean Kim Jong Un, want to go head in that direction. My second, um, well, first of all, Putin is kind of holding them up. Putin have yet to decide on that. He should decide against against that. For one for one reason, I think it makes the Russian military look somewhat weak. If they bring in all those troops from North Korea, it seems like they needed troops. But that's my take. So what else is on your mind, Tariq? But good point. My second comment is this. Uh, on note, Betron tweeted out something. Um, the Chinese, uh, the, the Guardian.com tweeted out that she is visiting Saudi Arabia next week. And what he also said in that post he tweeted about that, that, it's, that it is huge because if she's going there, knowing that we got all this going on with Taiwan and the world and the rise of BRICS, she can bring up Saudi Arabia dropping the petrol dollar and coming on to the BRICS currency basket or, you know, or back in the year or some other currency, right? And would be the end of the petrol dollar if she can accomplish that. So that that trip next week, if it's true, if she going to Saudi Arabia and talk to MBS, that's going to be huge, man. That's going to be a world shattering thing if Saudi Arabia in the next year drop that um, the petrol dollar. So we'll see what's going to happen next week with she and MBS. Okay. Tarif, great call as usual. And we're going to go to Alcala next. But first, Rod, did you hear who they captured in Ukraine? So I, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, and I refuse to learn. This is one of the sickest guys I've ever heard of, and it's a very modern problem. As you can imagine, if you're in war now, probably a lot of the soldiers, every one of them has at home and often on them a cell phone, right? It makes sense. Soldiers right. have cell phones, right? So <laughs> yeah. this is a guy, Ukrainian, who when he'd kill a Russian soldier, he would take the cell phone out of their pocket, find their mother's phone number, and call their mother and tell their mother that their child, a Russian soldier, won't be coming home, that he killed him. Can you imagine the sickness psychologically of this Ukrainian soldier? calling the, the mother of dead soldiers to rub it in. Can you imagine that, Rod? No, that, that's crazy, Lee. And, um, you know, that guy doesn't even, you know, I, I can't say on air what he deserves, but, yeah, no, that's, that is, that's pretty sick. So they caught him. And, 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 again, it's purely psychological. It's not physical torture. But just the unbelievable cruelty to it 
And I would say uh, even, dude, what are you doing to your own psychology? How do you feel about being that guy? I'm sure that I'm sure he's in psychological agony. Not that I feel particularly badly for him, but I thought I'd point that out. 202-521-1320, killer of owls, what is on your mind? Well, now that you brought that point up, you know, I've shied away from bringing this up, but have you seen the Russian claims about um, the genetic testing that has been done on the Ukrainian troops? And they think it's there. These experiments are being done to uh, rid them of empathy. But I mean, they're finding hepatitis and and also medication inside, like on I think it's like 20 percent that. um, the number of soldiers are finding is 20% more than what they would normally find in, in just checking normal people. But they're accusing uh, the West of basically running genetic exper- experiments on the uh, Ukrainian soldiers. Have, have you looked into that at all? A little bit. We've talked about it a little bit, but there's a lot of stuff with biolabs. That's going to end up being a much bigger deal than it's anyone's can report on it now because I can just tell the sh- the shadows. The stuff that's being revealed so far indicates the lot more serious stuff. And I'm talking not just what they were working on, but also the possible economic environment involvement of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Have you heard about that owl killer that they might have been involved financially, and that some of the drug companies might be involved as well? Yes, and also I've. I, I think I've heard the uh, Ketchup King's son's name being thrown around, um, invested in that as well. Uh, I, I think I've heard um, Kerry's uh, stepson, um, Hines, being involved. And, you know, and that was, you know, two and three years ago when uh, COVID was going on. I'm, I'm telling you, look, they ran the drill in Event 201, okay? And I, that's why China has, has backstabbed the New World Order. But that's why the New World Order is invested in Ukraine and it's invested in China or was invested in China. It's because these are no man's land where anything goes. They, China doesn't have the same as they don't value like people are expendable to them. And in Ukraine, they just it just seems to be a, it's a gangster wasteland. So what are you saying that based on? Because it seems to me like I live in the United States of America. It seems to me. I live in a country to which people are expendable. I, I, that that accusation, I know how I would prove that. Do you agree that people are expendable to our government as well? I don't think you get you can get away with putting people in uh, forced labor camps or doing organ harvesting. I, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think you could get away with it. And I, I so so if you were to go to prison and work for fifteen cents an hour. That's not forced labor, right? I'm just checking. It's not. It, I mean, at least we don't openly say that it's based off of, hey, you're, you're a religious minority getting this camp, which seems to be what has gone on in China. Well, I'll call it a great call as usual. So I, I would, I think the problem is the, the U.S. And I actually, I don't have any reason to think that, especially laying down psych- psychologically like people are expendable to them. People, China brought more people out of poverty than anyone in history. So they didn't seem expendable to them at that point. But let's get to Ingrid. 
And Jonathan, I'll try to get to you, but we had trouble with the phone call yesterday, and we're almost to the break when we go to our guests. So I'll try to get to you. If not, feel free to call back at the top of next hour, 202-521-1320. Ingrid from D.C., what is on your mind? Yeah, I'm calling to plug the D.C. Assange event. But a couple of days ago, there was a delegation of like people from 45 countries who went to China and came back with the same opinion as Michelle Bachelet that there was there was no uh, uh, if Owl Killer was talking about the Uyghurs that this is this is just a, um, a psychological propaganda that, that that that's not a thing in China. And I've looked into the Uyghur stuff a little bit, and I've never bought it hook, line, and sinker. And the Uyghur stuff is largely a hoax. And it's a hoax in the same way that the stuff about the Tartars in Ukraine, in Crimea, the stuff about the Tartars. And it's a variant on something we see here. Uh, so that's interesting you bring it up. But go ahead, Ingrid. What else are you saying? Next week, Tuesday, Roger Waters is coming to D.C. with his tour called This Is Not a Drill, which I assume is named after the phony incident in Hawaii when they said this is not a drill and, and people were afraid they were being attacked. Anyway, the the group here is going to be tabling inside the event for Assange, and tickets are still available for the uh, event, but we're still looking for volunteers to join on the outside to hold signs to have a, a presence and those people are going to leaflet at the metro before the event and during the event if they don't have tickets they're going to uh go hang out at a local bar or something like that and then afterwards again leaflet at the metro and if anyone wants to meet up and become a part of the Assange action team here in DC they should send an email to dcactionforassange at gmail.com. Okay, thanks for mentioning that, Ingrid, and and great call. And Rod, now I'm a music fan, and I like a lot of obscure music, so I may be the only one, but if I went to that concert, do you want to hope Roger Waters would play? Songs from Pink Floyd. Now, I know I'm unusual in that, in expecting Pink Floyd songs at a Roger Waters concert, do you think I would be alone? No, no. I, I think I think most people would expect that. Okay, I just don't want to be too obscure. But uh, wish you were here. That's what I like to hear. It's only the most popular song by Pink Floyd on Spotify, so I assume some people have heard of it. Two hundred two five two one thirteen twenty. Jonathan, what is on your mind? Yeah, I called in late, but the uh, uh, I guess uh, I guess your guests were saying something about you're worried about the FBI running up into people's houses. I mean, Trump had we already know he's on the investigation. We already know that he had uh, top secret documents in Mar-a-Lago. So what's so shocking about having the FBI investigate him or run into his house when they do it every day? Name 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 the last president who has happened to. Doesn't matter. Is the president above the law? No, no, it, it does matter since you can't name any. Name it the last time it happened to a president. It's shocking. You know, people drown, people drown and are killed by sharks every year. But 
if a president were to be killed by a shark, it would be shocking. And it would be worth talking about because there's no president who's been killed by a shark before. So while while FBI raids happen, and that's the reason I'm saying Roger Waters was arrested using similar tactics. Why did they have to use that level of force with Roger Stone or with Clark, the attorney from the DOJ, or with... Why would the FBA tell anybody that oh, we're going we're, we're to want you to come in an investigation when you have a chance to hide evidence? I don't know. Why do they? They do that all the time. I didn't make this up. I'm not just making up a, a tactic that they use. They often call people and tell them to come in because they know that putting FBI agents out on the field and doing a knock on the door in the morning can often create a a dangerous situation. So explain. So what what they do if they see that someone's no risk or no there's no threat to property or evidence, they will absolutely do it, and they do it all the time. So why do they do it all the time? You can't you can't have it both ways. What are you going to call a guy that just shot thirty? No, I'm remembering in one way. I'm saying they don't call people for no reason. They do it because it's safer for FBI agents. And usually in these cases, in the case of Roger Waters, his attorney said she, she, his attorney had dealt with a lot of FBI people in the past. And they said, they just call you and tell you come in Monday because we got to get you booked. That's it. They don't see the reason to put boats in the canal behind your house like they did with Roger Waters, Roger Stone. They didn't do it to Roger Waters. If they did, they would be two big Pink Floyd fans. They'd want to hear what you hear too much. That's an outrage to do a raid on Roger Waters just because you want to hear some Pink Floyd. But Roger Stone didn't deserve anything either. But so is Ray for having his same first name. So, Jonathan... Why are you the one applying the asking the FBI to act different than they normally do? This is not normal, Jonathan. It happens all the time, buddy. All the time. No. Okay. It happens all the time. Then I'll sit here, name one person it's happened to where they've, people have been shocked by it. Name the last person. Name the last president. Let's go with that. Go ahead, Jonathan. President, because. Okay, I can't name the, the last president because there's always got to be a first. So he's the first. Right. So people are shocked because he's the first. And we'll, we'll, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Allison Hayden, a candidate for Congress in California, who is learning the perils of running with the Republican Party. And it's not the same perils as going up against the Democrats, which is you might be raided, but it's still perilous. We'll talk to Allison Hayden right after we take a short break on the backstory.
And we are back on the backstory and on the radio in Washington, D.C. at 105.5 FM, AM 1390. Joining us now, candidate for Congress in Northern California, Allison Hayden, good friend of the show. She's been on with us before. How are you doing, Allison? I'm doing good. How are you doing? So I'm doing fine. So I'm a little confused. Help me with one thing. California is famous as being a state where Republicans are not successful. Am I right on that? It's a famously Democratic state. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, we've been uh, we've been really graced with having Dr. Douglas Frank and Seth Keschel present their findings of how the vote has been taken from the American people and California being the template for that fraud. It's been ongoing, long-term, you know, it's been a, a stage process and uh, over time whittling away at different aspects of the voting process uh, so that now the clincher came in with the COVID mandates and under uh, emergency use use authorization, they forced universal mail-in, the Dominion machines. I mean, the boards of supervisors are just rubber stamping these contracts. We're on the hook in Alameda County until 2030. And the, the people vote in the board of supervisors, but they have no accountability because they basically seal the deal on election fraud by okaying the machines and okaying the emergency use authorizations. So basically, the people's voice is muzzled. There is, there is no free and fair election in California. And Dr. Frank and Seth Keschel have shown really across America, this is, has been a, a slow steal, but, but they are, they are really were at the death knell in the 2022 midterms and they will really forever be in ch- in charge if we do not stop and put in the, the injunctions required to stop the machines and stop this continuing emergency use authorization and there is no more emergency so this is all done to take away the people's rights and our freedoms and our voice and, and my point was just that they don't have a track record of success in California. The Republicans do, do not have a track record of success uh, on any front, whether it comes to picking candidates or supporting their candidates. They're not a successful party. Therefore, the Republican Party of California, I would say, needs new leadership desperately because they're not good at their job. And the Republican, and there's nothing about California inherently that the values of the Republican Party understood properly. The real values of Republicans, freedom, individuality, and so on, that should appeal to a wide swath of Californians. Do you agree, Allison, that California should be attracted to the values that real Republicans represent? I think so. What do you think, Allison? Well, I'll tell you, because they've been able to manipulate votes, it's not just votes. That would be voter registration. 
So I'm hard pressed to believe that that it the divide, and there are really that many Democrats, especially given the platform of the Democratic Party today. So I don't agree that that many Democrats uh, that there are that many Democrats signed on to today's. Um, you know, our ROVs control. They're controlled by the state. So even the county ROPs is, uh, sorry, the registrars are doing the bidding of the state, the secretary of state. And I would say actually that the Republicans um, that are really part of the uniparty are doing an excellent job because they're doing exactly what they're there to do. Now, Allison, let's have you explain your situation. What is your experience with the Republican Party in California now, what are you dealing with as a candidate running? Well, I mean, I'm very sad to to have to say that I am on the on I am summoned to their hearing to unendorse my candidacy. Now, I've I've been working very diligently and am a member in good standing in our our local community, you know, uh, county com- committee. I was elected twice. Um, I've been the delegate to the convention in 2016. I have been the nominee for this seat in 2020, as well as now in 2022. But I am being summoned to face the board of directors of the California Republican Party uh, in an proceeding to unendorse me. Now, to be clear, I have not sought their endorsement because I spoke with, I speak with uh, constituents, with people, just folks, and they're sick of the whole political game. They just want to, they want relief from these Biden policies. They want their jobs, good jobs back. They want a good school system. I mean, we are have a lot more in common. This artificial divide that they keep um, plummeting us and telling us how we're so divided and fractured and racially and in every way that they've worked it is coming to an end because people's eyes are being opened. Now, this, this Stasi-like uh, proceeding that I'm supposed to attend on Saturday is, um, I guess, to, to uh, defend my candidacy. And they already put up two, two candidates against me, two other Republicans in the primary, and I still prevailed. So this kind of subterfuge of the, of the California Republican Party against America First candidates has to stop. We have to, we will gain all of the party registrations we need once our party starts being responsive to the people and stop playing party politics and attacking their own, their, you know, attacking their very own who stand up for Republican values. We're not here to, to bow down to the loyalty to the California Republican leadership. We're here to stand up for our constitutional republic, our loyalty First to God, loyalty to the Constitutional Republic, and loyalty to our constituents and our party membership in shared values and principles. We owe no loyalty to the California Republican leadership. And that's what they're forcing us to do in this whole proceeding, is to bow to their, um, 
you know, their, their power in this situation. And to be clear, you know, again, I didn't seek their endorsement. I was very clear because I heard from the people that they're sick of it. And my prevailing in the primary over the two candidates put, put against me shows that the people are not uh, bowing to, they are, they are not looking to the political party for leadership. In fact, one of the other uh, unendorsed candidates got more votes than the endorsed candidate of our uh, Alameda County Republican Party. They put up to this guy and they endorsed him and he got the least votes of the three of us. But out of a 10% re- Republican registration for our county, for Republicans, and about uh, 65% is Democrat, we still got 30% of the low turnout vote. And only 9% went to the endorsed candidate. So that means 21% went to unendorsed Republican candidates, which shows you the people are sick of it. So I think that my position being unendorsed, but I am still running on Republican values. That would be small, limited government, right? Limited arm of the government pushing right now to uh, support the values of personal choice and self-defense and the Constitution. So pro-Constitution candidates are being, you know, put before the firing squad for not bowing down to the leadership of the party. And this is very unfortunate. I think it's, it's a misguided endeavor, what they're doing right now. And Allison, if you had a guess, because I know it's a little hard to tell what they stand for, but the establishment Republicans, what do you think their values are? You talked about what yours are. What are their values? Well, I think their value, they're in line with with Gavin Newsom to stay in control. This is all just like Mike Cargall said. Mike Cargall of the 35th district, uh, he was he was shot down in 2020. They unendorsed him and he never sought their endorsement. They unendorsed him and they're doing it again this time. Although he secured his seat just as I did uh, and a couple other people. But there, it's really for them to stay in control. Mark, uh, Mike said, that, you know, that's the whole game. And it doesn't matter, you know, whether the person they put in there, you know, just so long as that person is going to vote the way they want. They, they fought and put in Katie Porter. And we saw what happened with Katie Porter put in instead of Greg, Greg Raff. Greg Raff is a retired Marine Corps colonel, mayor of Mission Viejo. In the 45th district, the most conservative conservative district in Orange County, he was abandoned by the GOP leadership in the general election. They put in Katie Porter, and we saw what happened. Who, what kind of person Katie Porter turned out to be? I want to get your reaction on the raid on Mar-a-Lago in a second. But broadly speaking, let me ask this: In California, it seems to me the first move for California politics is getting rid of the ineffective Republican Party, the counterproductive Republican Party. Is there any move afoot at a statewide level to just get the Republican Party out of power and get all new people in there running the Republican Party? Allison Hayden? This is the whole game because unendorsing people, okay, when if 
depending on what kind of vote we get in, in the general, how many delegates we're going to have. If they unendorse us, we don't get any delegates. And those delegates go to vote. But let me tell you, in the last convention, they had some funny money, funny, funny counting going on, and they were caught on it. And, you know, so so even the voting itself is compromised within the party convention votes. But the whole thing of is about delegates. So if they keep out pro-America first candidates, they they strip them of their delegates. And therefore, you don't have people going into the convention to vote against them, to vote them out. That's the whole thing. This is about delegates as much as it is getting someone into seat in Congress. So this is all about keeping their their stranglehold over the uniparty. Now, of course, Washington is now abuzz with press conferences with people like Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland defending the Monday raid on Mar-a-Lago at Trump's home. What was your take on that historical event that happened earlier this week with the FBI raiding Donald Trump's house? Allison? Well, I'm, you know, I think it's going to backfire beautifully. You know, I think that they're probably not going to find anything. And, and the American people will see this whole Stasi style, this, you know, this is not anything that America's ever, this is, no one in America is on board with this. So I think that, that they're going to get the worst backlash ever in November as a result of this kind of, um, these kind of antics. Well, I gotta say, I, I think Trump haters, from what I've seen on Twitter and even on the phones today, if you hate Trump, you like this move. I'm I'm seeing support for it among the unhinged. So people who are rabid Trump haters and would like it if the FBI had shot him with a squirt gun, they would have found that funny. The people who hate Trump are down with this. But a lot of people are, you know, on the fringe about Trump. A lot of people don't hate him. They kind of like him, but they don't idolize him and they don't agree with everything he does. And to people who hate Trump, they don't understand that people who don't hate Trump and kind of like him, but have a balanced view of him exists. The Trump haters see the world as either you're a Trump zealot or one of them, a Trump hater. Have you noticed that, Allison? A lot of Trump haters don't recognize the existence of rational Trump, I won't say, you know, supporters if he's the best candidate. Have you noticed that, Allison? Absolutely. You know, a lot of the problem, as I see it, is also their control over media. People who make these decisions are basing it on what they are, the opinion they form based on fake news. So people become rabidly you know, against excellent point. They're they're taught they're they're basically, you know, it's a psyop to totally uh, manipulate the perception or, or the you know the information about a person and and create a perception of how awful they are. So anything we know about anybody is given to us by media. I mean, that's what we, that's how we know. And so his, you know, it's brilliant that that. 
President Trump or candidate Trump started out with the whole um, point, uh, pulling out or, or what do you calling out the fake news. And, you know, they have diminished in importance. More and more people are awakened to really the wiles and, and recognizing that everything they think they know is told them by this whole fake um, agenda uh, to, to, you know, put it, pull the wolves over the American people's eyes. But we're, we're awakening, and this is what they fear. So, I, you know, my hope is that uh, through your, you know, brilliant backstory, I love this channel, your hard work, my God, Lee, how you keep coming out fighting with all of the things that have happened to you health-wise and otherwise, you, you keep coming back. And that is the American spirit. That is what's going to save this country. And all of us mounting our campaigns again, getting the word out to people, hey, wake up, this is what's going on. They are going to come out in droves. They're going to demand paper ballots. They're going to demand paper votes. I mean, sorry, hand counted. France can vote. They can count their votes in one night, and yet Arizona is still counting theirs, <laughs> Maricopa County. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's <laughs> It's, uh, you know, it's unbelievable. And that was very nice to say, Allison, by the way. Thank you for the compliment. It's real. And one thing I'll point out, that is no contradiction that these Democrats support Ukraine in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Because Zelensky, like the Democrats, hates democracy. Vladimir Zelensky, have you heard that he's banned every opposition party except the Nazis in Ukraine? This is the, the Democrats' democratic ideal. Zelensky, who banned all political parties. Did you heard that, Allison? You know, actually, I missed that little uh, tidbit, but I doubt, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised. It, it really, that, and it, just as we're seeing in America, the, the, the closer, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the noose on the American people. I mean, look at the look at the IRS agents who are who are now being armed, and they will be going against uh, primarily people earning eighty five thousand or less. Allison, I'm sure you saw the same numbers I saw. I think I saw seventy percent of what the IRS is going to be examining is people who make seventy five k or less a year. Is that what you heard? I mean, so I mean, those are the people who who are working their backs off to pay their bills, who don't have time to mount a defense against the IRS, don't have the time or the means. And, you know, this is totally takedown of, of good working class people, middle income people. And, you know, this is, this is heinous. And the American people have to be made aware to rise up in November and demand no machines of their county registrar, demand paper ballots, hand counted, and that poll workers be representative of all parties and not not just their own, their own unions. Now, Allison, we got a short amount of time before we have to go because we're coming up on a hard break. But let me ask you a question. California is known for having some of the best, most productive farmland and agricultural land in the country, California's Central Valley and Bakersfield's uh, Central California around Gilroy. That is famous internationally. Is Bill Gates 
making any move in California to buy up the farmland. Is that a place he's operating also, Allison? Yes, he very much is. And so are the communist Chinese. And let's not be naive. The Chinese are in a desperate situation. They have a problem. They're, they're losing their population they, to compete with their one-child policy for, all, for decades. So, and they've never been able to feed their people. Biting, taking a bite out of uh, America will, will crush us. If they take over California, this is basically their, their breadbasket, their means of survival. It's not just Bill Gates is working in tandem with, uh, with the Googles, uh, Eric Schmidt, all helping the communist Chinese who have the military arm to control and to take over. And we're out of time, Allison, because it's the top of the hour and we got to go to a short break here. Fantastic parents, as usual. Good luck in your fight against not only the Democrats, but the Republicans in California. Allison Hayden, great parents. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're joined by our guest co-host, Carter Laren on Backstory. We are live from the Empire Flies. This second hour of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Stranahan. This is the backstory. Great appearance by Allison Hayden, and we wish her luck in her battle against California Republicans. Well, Republican Party. Not necessarily Republicans, but California rhinos are battling her and the Democrats. And best of luck to Allison. Joining us this hour, our normal Thursday guest co-host, the great Carter Laren. Hey, Carter, how you doing? I'm well. How you doing, Lee? I'm doing well. And because we had Allison Hayden on. I have a question I ask her. I'll ask you right after the break. But let me say that coming up this hour, we have one of the most successful right-wing publishers out there. Jim Hoft from Gateway Pundit is joining us on The Backstory. So, Carter, we just had congressional candidate Allison Hayden, and we were talking about California because she's running up in Alameda County. And you, of course, now, do you see anything about California inherently that, and any reason that Republicans, if they're presented correctly, not as squishes or not as rhinos, are anything about Basic California. See, when I think of California, I'm old enough to remember when California was an ideal for freedom and creativity and lots of things that I think are good in this country. And California's become the epitome of bad 
liberal values, I think. What do you think about that, Carter? Yeah, I mean, the California, um, if you know, just watch old movies sometimes, you can see how California is portrayed. It's, it, it's a, there's a frontier aspect to it. And there's definitely a lot of, you know, you go out there to, to try and make it. There's a lot of creativity. I mean, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for Silicon Valley, at least as an idea, maybe not what it's become. Um, maybe less respect for Hollywood, but nevertheless, California, you know, and a large people forget that there's a lot of red in California. There's large swaths of California way up north. You have more libertarian types up, uh, you know, Jefferson area. And then you've got, uh, you know, a lot of the, the central Valley, you have much, much more conservative people in California. I think the problem though, Lee, is that because Silicon Valley and Hollywood have become so successful and made so much money and because they are hotbeds of the cutting edge progressivism, uh, the money is, is in California to really, I mean, let's face it. Most people don't go make rational decisions about who they're going to vote for and spend time researching and thinking about the principles behind issues and, and choosing sides rationally, they respond to what they're told and the money is, it's a, you know, I, I think Allison used the phrase psyop. I don't know if she was referring to this or not, but it's a big psyop. They use the money to promote progressivism. And so that controls California. Not only do they do it in California, but they, they export money. I mean, they're partly responsible for turning Colorado blue is California money. So, um, yeah, California, it's, it's the money, it's the money in the, in the progressive hubs that really control the politics in the state rather than, uh, what I think you would see if there was a, a more, we'll say representative government. I don't think it would look the same way. Okay. So let me give you an explanation and I can do this conceptually. And I think You'll, you'll understand this. I think I can explain as well. You have to understand that the TV and film industry, in a lot of senses, entrepreneurs or people who own their own business are good candidates to be Republicans. Would you agree with that broadly? The people who own and run a business, right? And you have to understand the film industry in particular, a film when you do a film project as a producer, every film is almost like its own small business. It has its own purpose. In other words, the film is about one topic. You have to hire the employees, the cast and the crew. And the film is an independently saleable thing. Often you make the film and then you sell it afterwards. So the product is the thing that you produce. And the film industry is very, very entrepreneurial. Does that make sense, Carter? Uh, yes, and I, and I, I do understand a little bit about film financing. Um, but they, but you know, Lee, they, they've made sure that in California they're relatively. I mean, they don't write laws to go after themselves. They make sure that the laws are going after other people. <laughs> the, the Hollywood's, you know. Well, no, that's exactly right, and that's that's why they take advantage of these film incentive programs like New Mexico has or Georgia or some of these states, they get these states like New Mexico to make, if you do a production there, like Breaking Bad was shot in New Mexico, okay? So the New Mexico legislature passed a law 
that if you came and produced something like Breaking Bad there, all the money you spent on taxes would be refunded to you. You would pay no taxes whatsoever. And they also set up loan programs. So they made it very economically feasible for people to make films outside of California. But the people, the producers, they still live in the Hollywood Hills. Does that make sense? They make sure they're taken care of wherever they go. Does that make sense, Carter? Yeah. Yeah, they can, they're free to vote for 87,000 new IRS agents, but it's not going to bother them. And, and you know, you see Gavin Newsom saying, don't go film in Georgia. But like you're saying, you know, regardless of what they, they say out of one side of their mouths, of course they will go to where there's the best tax incentives and the cheapest place to film. I mean, they've been filming in Vancouver for a while and, and other spots in Canada. I mean, they don't, they're businessmen when it matters to them. But when it matters to you, they're socialists. No, that's exactly right. And they're always, because they're businessmen, they're always looking at cutting costs in the budget. If you can go to New Mexico and get a guy to do your lighting, and he's just as talented and experienced as the guys in California, because often they move to New Mexico or wherever. So if the guy you hire in New Mexico is the same talent level as the guy you can hire in California, but you can hire him for half the cost because it costs them a lot less to live in New Mexico. Does that make sense? Why not hire that guy? Yeah, and I think a lot of things that people, maybe the average person doesn't understand about the movie industry, and and this I do a little bit because I did, I had a friend who was doing a movie financing company, and uh, you don't realize how much um, of your tax dollars go to incentivizing filmmakers to film something in your city. Um, so many, so many, not only states, but, you know, sometimes even, uh, counties, but often states have special programs to attract Hollywood, which is just kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, these are the people pushing high taxes and socialism and, and everything else, but what do they want? They, they go and, and demand special treatment when it comes to bringing their business to town. And unfortunately we give it to them. I don't think we should. And because there's so many states competing for this film business, they often get talked into lousy deals. For instance, New Mexico was giving away too much money, according to New Mexico and the people who were getting the money. They, they knew the film incentives in New Mexico had were very, very good, too good, in fact. But what happens is they'll put these incentives that are a bad deal for the states and they're in for five years, let's say. And then the state goes, we can't do this anymore. We're going broke. So what happens is the state then cancels the incentive program. But then Georgia goes, we'll, we'll take that business. Does that make sense, Carter? So every few years, there's a new batch of states does these film incentives. And they don't care if it was a bad deal for the other states. They still go for it because they want to be because they like seeing their state on the TV show, on Breaking Bad or whatever. They like seeing Albuquerque restaurants or whatever. So they'll, there's such a, an itch to be in business with the film industry that the states literally make bad deals, knowing that they only have to keep them for five years or so. And... Uh, then they get the advantage of it. But Carter, you hinted at it 
And I asked Allison her opinion of the raid on Mar-a-Lago. What is your your opinion on the raid on Donald Trump this week? Well, obviously, I have no specialized knowledge, but the thing that bothers me the most, and and this is just, you know, Lee, I'm just going to say this is based on my intuition, and that's based on what I've seen in the news for the past several years and how the deep state has behaved. It's what bothers me isn't that, you know, maybe he had classified information he shouldn't have. I don't know. What bothers me is the double standard. I mean, I... I don't know if you know, Lee, but I had a, a compartmentalized top secret clearance in my in my youth and let and but I was a defense contractor. And let me tell you, when if I had done something like remove classified information from a skiff, I would have had my rear end handed to me and probably gotten in trouble. And when Hillary Clinton literally set up an email server and and conducted official business through emails that she controlled. And her email server was in her bathroom in her house. And we had she didn't go through the proper channels at all. She didn't go through the secure networks that were designed for State Department emails. But she went through her own, you know, personal little server that she had set up. We were told that we were making a big deal about it, that it was ridiculous, that we should. Why should we care so much? It's just some emails. It's not a big deal. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, and I know Trump hammered on this during the debates, but the mainstream was telling us it's not a big deal. It's just some emails. It's not a big deal. Here we are with the former president of the United States who technically has the ability himself to declare things unclassified. And suddenly it's a big deal warranting an FBI raid that there might have been some papers that as far as I can tell, they think he might have mistakenly taken. It's just it's the double standard that gets me. If you're going to be lax about the rules then be lax about the rules for everyone. And we know that that's just the way it is. And if you're going to be strict on the rules, then be strict for everyone. But I think every reasonable person, whether you're a Trump fan or not, unless you're uh, you have TDS still, if you're on the fence or if you're or, you know, just kind of a regular person, we're all looking at this wondering, OK, is this real or is this just you're just doing this because you don't like Trump? And we we see how you did the January 6th stuff. We see how you're treating Trump generally. We know how corrupt the FBI is. We watched you tell us for two years or three years or four years, you know, Marussia, 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 Russia collusion, Russia collusion, Russia collusion. That was a hoax. We watched you covered, uh, cover up Hunter Biden stuff. It's just I don't trust the deep state anymore. I don't trust the FBI at all. Merrick Garland gets up there and says these are great people doing great things and we should trust them. And you know what? This is not a Jack Carr novel. These are not heroes. Um, maybe some of them are. Some of the men and women, uh, you know, in the lower rungs are. But, the, you know, these are criminal empires protected by the power of the state. And I'm kind of tired of seeing them selectively go after people that they dislike. Well, and Carter, let me point out that you're actually giving Hillary Clinton a little too much credit. And what you're saying is not ent- entirely incorrect, but it's not entirely correct. Hillary Clinton did not just send emails and receive emails using a private server. She never used, never, her government assigned email. She, When she became Secretary of State, she was given a government.gov email. She never used it one time. She only used her private server. So all of her business was conducted. And I understand why you, the press constantly downplays this. So were you, and and feel free if you, you're a smart guy and you follow the news car, did you know that Hillary Clinton 
never used her government-assigned email when she was Secretary of State. Not once. No, I didn't. I I realized. I realized that she did most of her business with her other email, but I didn't realize it was literally zero with her .gov. Uh, I did know that she, quote, mistakenly used a secure program called BleachBit to, oops, I erased some evidence. That that was lovely. Uh, but I didn't realize she, she used her .gov zero times. That says a lot about who she thinks she is. She uses zero times. And you can read the report. And the way this came to light was... As you can imagine, there's a bureaucracy at the State Department, and there's someone there whose job it is to comply with FOIA requests. So every time you or you know, Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch does a FOIA request, there's someone whose job it is to comply with that, and they work at the State Department. Does that make sense? They're a bureaucrat, a civil servant, okay? And this person whose job it is to do that went to the supervisor and said, I'm getting these FOIA requests for Hillary Clinton, and I cannot comply with them because there are no emails in the system, none from Hillary Clinton. So I'm saying a low-level Washington bureaucrat went to their boss, and you can find this is in the report, and they were told, never bring this up again. They were chastised for bringing it up. Never bring up Hillary's emails again. But they were saying... Look, I, I will get in trouble because I'm not complying with the FOIA requests. Does that make sense? So you can find out you can find out that she never followed it because a civil service employee got in trouble for even raising the issue. And that's something I think if they were doing their job, the unions like the SEIU should have been defending that employee. But instead, they're political animals, too. What do you think about that, Carter? It reminds me, Lee, I know you'll appreciate this reference. It reminds me of Atlas Shrugged in, in where the, the low-level guy just doing his job is becomes afraid to do his job because he doesn't want to get in trouble. So he's trying to pass the buck, either pass it up or down the chain. And there, there's there's some scenes where the senior managers are supposed to be making decisions, but they know that they don't want to get in trouble making decisions. So they, they push it down to the next guy and then they take a vacation. <laughs> and it sounds kind of like that to me where there's, I, I imagine this poor guy, this poor swamp rat at the DOJ, whose job it is to, to comply with FOIA requests. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> no one wants to take responsibility for being the one to say, I can't, I can't comply with this because she didn't use the duck of email. Well, first off, you're right. I'm Rand's novel. Alice shrugged. One, one of the things Alice Shrugg does very well as a novel is it explains the psychology of bureaucracy and how disasters happen without anyone meaning them to. But would you agree with that, Carter, that she does a great job of explaining the psychology behind disasters that happen in bureaucracy, right? Yes, and it, it would be a comedy of errors except for it's too realistic and you, and it's not really that funny, but it is that kind of a, she go. You you can see, you know, it's it's easy for people to say, well, th these kind of bureaucracies screw up, and if you if things are run by the DMV, they they go south. But to see it actually play out, and each psych the psychology of each of the middlemen or the bureaucrats involved, and how one thing leads to another, and eventually a bunch of people die on a train, is actually I think it's yeah, it is really well done, and it's something that I don't see a lot of other people having really tried to even pull off, and she does it well. No, agreed. And 
here's how I roll as a journalist, Carter. When I was covering a story years ago, I found this. It, again, it's in the the Inspector General report. It's right there in black and white. Read the report. You'll find that out. So I thought about. I I was stunned by that. I was like, because I I thought she'd used her email sometimes, but there's a big qualitative difference between one and zero. Does that make sense? One and zero are qualitatively different numbers. They're not just a difference of one. Does that make sense? Yeah, because to me it indicates that she never intended to use it and and walked into that office thinking that she is uh, above the rules and was never going to comply. I mean, it, that's a that's very exactly right. Like she started to do something because it was more convenient and eventually, you know, stopped using her real one. That that's it shows an intent to have a covered up system. Her goal with her email system was something that no one would see. That was the goal. It certainly looks that way. Yeah, I saw that in the inspector general report. So here's what I did. This is a few years ago. I called my friend James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. And I told him what was going on. And I said, I found this bureaucrat because I found her name. It's in the IG report. I said, let's find the bureaucrat who lives somewhere near in Maryland or Virginia because she you know, works in D.C. I said, let's go to that bureaucrat's house in the morning and say we're sympathizing with her and say you got in trouble and we're told never to ask about Hillary Clinton again. And how did you feel about that? So James O'Keefe sent a crew out and we talked to this woman. We had James O'Keefe reporters show up at her house. And that woman, and I'm sure you'll believe this, Carter, she was scared. She was, she'd been told by her boss, never bring us up again or you're going to get on the bad side of Hillary Clinton. And that woman did not want to talk to James O'Keefe and was scared that we're bringing it up. Does that make sense, Carter? Sure. I mean, has she committed suicide yet? I mean, yeah, I, of course she's afraid of Hillary Clinton. I would be terrified. Yes, and and it was outrageous, but I, I followed it since then. When you say reported, they try to make it seem like Hillary used her email sometimes. They'll say, when she got in trouble for not using her email, no, they don't say ever. And and you're you're right. You summed up very well. I think it was an intentional plan to cut out any possibility of oversight. Hillary Clinton did not want anyone to be able. The reason she did the private server at home, and people all will point out, well, Colin Powell used AOL. If Colin Powell used AOL sometimes, it's still qualitatively different because if they had been curious about some of those Colin Powell emails, they could have contacted AOL and gone to their servers and got a hold of the email. Does that make sense, Carter? But when it's a private server at her house, they have no way of getting those aside from Hillary Clinton complying with the subpoena. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty egregious. And and not only that, it's not only did she do that, she didn't then save them and say, oh, you know what? Here were the reasons why I ran my private server and here's the archive for you. Because 
Uh, and again, I don't think that would be good either. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that's good, but you know, when you're working for, frankly, when you're working for any company, but especially when you're working for the government, emails that you send uh, with, uh, it related to your job are not yours. They're not your property. They're the property of the government. If you're working for a company, they're the property of the company. That business is the company's property. And in this case, that, that is our property as, you know, us citizens. Those emails are ours. Those emails are are the U.S. government's, and for her to just, you know, flippantly laugh this off and say, "Yeah, well, I actually I did all of this on my own, so that you'll never see it. You'll never know what I said. You'll never know what I did. You're never going to get any of it." Um, I, to me, it's just so blatant. It it's I hated the way that was handled by the mainstream media, and again, it's the contrast here with Trump because I'm now seeing. Uh, you know, mainstream media act as if this is a very serious thing. Trump might have had some some documents that might have been classified at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, you know, the, the 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 sudden change of heart that it's very very serious to maybe have some documents at your private residence is, is absolutely ridiculous. And by the way, it's still a false equivalent when the media does it because what Trump did, even if. I believe everything that they're saying him and more is worse. It, what Hillary Clinton did was worse because there was an intent. And I'll tell you what I think she did. And we, we know this because we know what's happened. I think Hillary was setting up the, the Russiagate thing. I think she was communicating with people like George Soros. And we know some of the people she was communicating with. She was communicating with people like John Podesta, and she was also communicating with Cody Shearer. And we know that because the most blatant part was after it came out that she'd been using his private email server, she deleted like 80,000 emails. But some of those emails came to light when the first Guccifer revealed emails to John Podesta. And we saw emails that Hillary Clinton had not revealed. Does that make sense? So she submitted, she said, these are all the emails I had. And she submitted like one through 40,000. But when we saw 41,000, we knew she hadn't submitted them all. And it was not, it was 80,000 she didn't submit. So right right there is, is something blatant. But I think she was clearly, because she, she, in the emails we saw that came to light, what she was doing was setting up Russiagate. That's what's in those emails with John Podesta and Cody Scherer. What do you think about that, Carter? I think that's likely. I mean, I, I haven't looked into the, I don't know which emails exactly you're referring to that were revealed, because um, it's been a while since I looked at this. Uh, I didn't think we would have to talk about it again until suddenly... Suddenly, here we are talking about confidential documents again. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Uranium One, I mean, there's lots of stuff she was probably doing. Uh, the Clinton Foundation it has been suspect for all Uranium One. I mean, if you're if you're going to use your position in the State Department to uh, <laughs> pad your <laughs> pad your wallet, then and to and to maneuver your own political career, then you certainly don't want people seeing those emails and you don't want them going through dot gov. And so, you know, it, it's amazing to me how much, 
the Clintons seem to be able to get away with and no one seems to care. And like I said, maybe Trump did what they're saying, but I think it's, it's, it's different for two reasons. One of the ones you brought up Lee, which is it's different. You know, he didn't, he didn't say from day one, Hey, I'm going to operate outside the system so you can never see anything. And that's why I have classified information in my servers at home. Right. He, it, this is, he's being accused of possibly taking some documents and, and not returning them or, or mistakenly taking them or whatever. But the other thing is he's the president. He, he was the president and he had the ability to declassify things himself. So it's a little bit different. She didn't have, I, I guess she, she could have, I, I don't think she had the ability to, do you know if she had the ability to declassify information? I don't think she did. Well, she, she did because if you think about it, that was the email system she used. So does anything come across a secretary of state's email that is secret information? Obviously, yes. Does that make sense? And since she didn't use any other system except her own, we know, therefore classified information came across that. Does my ergo make sense there, Carter? Oh, yeah. I'm just saying I think she had the power to classify information, but I don't think she had the power to declassify information that was already classified, like legally. But I think the president does. That sounds correct to me. But in her defense, Hillary Clinton really, really wanted to be president. So she felt like she could do whatever she wanted. So let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk to one of the most successful publishers in conservative media, the great Jim Hoff from Gateway Pundit, right after this on The Backstory. back and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. Joined now by the great Jim Hoff. He's the editor and publisher of Gateway Pundit. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Good, Lee. Good to be with you. Good. Fairly busy week, eh, Jim? Yeah, I'd say. So I want to talk to you about, obviously, the raid on Mar-a-Lago and taking Congressman Perry's phone and all the other crazy stuff that's going on. But first, you're you're involved as a plaintiff in a couple of lawsuits. And I think this is part of a good trend that I'm seeing. I'm seeing all the bad stuff that Democrats are doing. But I am happy that I'm seeing Republicans start to take legal action. Because I think that's the place to fight these battles. So do you want to talk about this, the lawsuits? And I think the lawsuits you're involved in, Jim, thank you for me being involved in them, because I, as a journalist, think it's very important. So, Jim, what is it, are these lawsuits that you're involved in as a plaintiff in Louisiana and Missouri, and why should people care about the lawsuits? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we thought also this was really good news, um, Lee. As you know, um, I'm sure you've been a victim of this. Anyone who's prominent in uh, the media today who's uh, leans right has had some uh, instance where they have been uh, targeted, censored, banned by uh, social media. And um, certainly in the age of COVID and in the age of Trump, um, in the age of uh, questionable elections, 
there's been a lot of uh, news that uh, the, the social media giants would not allow to be even spoken on their platforms. So again, this is uh, this is America. This is this is a place where we were born and raised. Lee told that we had freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom to assembly, um, and here we have these businesses who have. Uh, shut down conservative speech for years now. Um, Gateway Pundit has been one of the biggest targets of, on the left. I've spoken to you about this before. We've been banned by Twitter now after we released video from Detroit uh, on election night where they drove a van in at 3.30 in the morning with 61 boxes of ballots that we have determined at this point at the Gateway Pundit that there is there is no way that they can legitimately say that those ballots where they came from, because we, we actually have video from uh, the, the, the counting centers. We have video from the Detroit drop boxes, and we don't know where those ballots came from. There was just uh, not enough ballots turned in in the drop boxes to, uh, to uh, uh, justify the 61,000 or 16,000 ballots that were dropped in, in late at night. So anyway, I put that up. I was banned by Twitter. Uh, we've been targeted by Facebook, all the tech giants. And what's happened now is Missouri and Louisiana brought a case against Joe Biden. And in this case, we have uh, alleged that Biden was working with the tech giants to to um, shutter uh, conservative content on their platforms, that Biden, the Biden administration was leading these efforts. Now, we have a lot of evidence on our side that this was happening. But then what what happened after this was that the uh, there was a whistleblower who actually stepped forward and said just exactly this, that the Biden administration has been working with the tech giants to um, shut down conservative speech. So our case looks really good. We've been elevated in this case, along with four prominent doctors from uh, Stanford and, and Yale, who also have been targeted and censored. But Gateway Pundit is the largest media outlet that, and the only media outlet that's mentioned in this in this court case. So we're, we're thrilled that they're using us. We have plenty of evidence. We've kept the receipts uh, throughout the years since they started target, targeting us back in 2017. And um, so uh, this is our chance now uh, to, to go to court. And uh, we have a very strong case, we believe. And Jim, again, thank you for doing that. And lo- let me switch topics slightly to the Biden laptop, because that's something else that was famously censored. Right. Now, we know we know that 50 former intelligence officials, including five former heads of the CIA, said that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Remember that, Jim? And we also know now there was a man at the FBI who killed that, who said, don't investigate this. And he had been involved with a sealed dossier before. Right. So. Do you think that there's any way that people at the FBI and the CIA just simultaneously got the idea independently? Let's bury the Hunter Biden laptop info. Or do you think it's possible they were coordinated by someone upstream? They had a boss who's not been revealed yet. Carter, does my logic seem sound there? You know, I think that's a that's a very sounds very sound, and I think it's uh, very interesting. You know, uh, obviously somebody organized this, and when you have, like you said, five former FBI or CIA, uh, the heads of the CIA, CIA chiefs, um, sign on to this, 
you know, it must be somebody pretty high up for them to get together and do this. Uh, but that was a disgrace. We had videos, we had pictures before the 2020 election of Hunter Biden with his prostitutes, with drugs, saying, uh, you know, horrible things, uh, you know. And uh, I mean, we know now there's just hundreds of images and video. Uh, Hunter Biden had a real problem, not just sex, not just with drugs, not just with dealing with foreign um, governments, but with uh, with posting it all on his uh, uh, computer. So uh, this guy is really a sick person, but we caught him, and then we were banned. We, my brother lost his uh, account then, my brother Joe, who's a writer for Gateway Pundit, and uh, because of Hunter Biden material, but everything we put up was completely accurate. The media said it was fake news, of course, that it was Russian propaganda. Twitter wouldn't allow it to be posted. Facebook wouldn't. Uh, they'd take your accounts down if you did this. So uh, this is how the left operates today in America. It's very one-sided. What we found is that generally 100% of the time, they're the ones who are lying, that they're completely inaccurate, that they're making things up, but they are shutting down uh, anyone who has a differing opinion. We saw this also with uh, the COVID and the vaccines and the uh, masking and the lockdowns. And and we, it comes out months and months later that, of course, we were right on that, too. So, uh, But they shut us down in the meantime. And let me put out something else about the Biden laptop story and its censorship that is really scary to me. So if you post a story at Gateway and you put it up and it contained the Hunter Biden stuff, that is a public story. So if someone sees it, a Democrat could complain to Facebook or whoever, and that's the way we get, get taken down. But if I'm going to send an email to a friend of mine and it's completely private, and they are able to detect Hunter Biden's picture, a picture from his laptop. Because I try, I was talking to a friend of mine on Messenger, Facebook Messenger, and I tried to send her a picture from the Biden laptop. And they censored my private email, which means, Carter, check my tech savvy here. If they censored that email, that means that the tech company was reading my private email, probably through an algorithm or something automatic, but they were checking the contents of my private email, not a public story, but a private email. Carter, what would they have to do to, to be able to detect what an email's contents are? Well, Facebook's notorious for having, yeah, Facebook's notorious for having really uh, crappy AI. So this is the, it's the same AI, AI that they use to identify so-called fake news or problematic ads or anything on Facebook that they take down. And so in the, in the case of Facebook Messenger, yeah, it's probably scanning for keywords and or key phrases and getting things wrong half the time. Because you might just say, um, you know, so-and-so is a really good hunter. Let's remember to bring our laptop next week when we go deer hunting. And like it, that might trigger it, right? Because hunter and laptop are in the same, you know, it's really dumb. Um, but yeah, of course they're reading your emails. We know that Google does this. This is how they serve you ads. We know Facebook does it. Um, that's why I don't use Facebook messenger. In fact, I don't recommend that anyone even have Facebook messenger installed on their phones. Um, I would get rid of it completely. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, of course they are Lee. That's how it works. Jim, do you see why I say I find that even scarier? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, listen to this, Lee. We had uh, people writing us saying that they had T-Mobile, and they were sharing Gateway Pundit stories on T-Mobile with their friends. They would text their friends. And uh, what happened was T-Mobile was blocking those links. So they'd say, hey, did you read that link we just sent you from Gateway Pundit? Well, it wasn't going through on their phones. So I, I find this a very scary time, not just for publishers or journalists or writers, but for everybody listening, your email and messages are being scanned for content, and that content is often blocked. And would you also agree that the Hunter Biden laptop is a big deal because it seems to be covering up evidence of Joe Biden committing a crime? He seems to have been getting paid off for his son's corrupt businesses. He seems to be the big guy who's getting payoffs. That's the fundamental crime here. Do you agree with this scary part, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, he was caught uh, numerous times in the laptop. Uh, that you know, ten percent for the big guy. Uh, we, we've, we've, a lot of us have, have seen that. So uh, he's mentioned in the in the in the laptop. They try to keep him hidden, but uh, he's into uh, Hunter's emails. Uh, Tony Babaluski, who uh, you actually. We've we've spoken uh, between us before about this guy. He he uh, was the one who released some of these emails, but um, they're also on Hunter's uh, computer. And um, there's all kinds of crimes committed there. Um, and yet the Biden family has not had to worry about the FBI coming and storming in their their homes and uh, collecting this information. In fact, uh, when the when the FBI stormed into uh, Rudy Giuliani's home. To take all of his uh, computers, he offered them Hunter Biden's computer, a copy that he had, and they wouldn't take it. So it basically uh, tells you everything you need to know about um, our government and certainly our FBI and the intel services today. Uh, Very corrupt organizations. I think so corrupt that they just need to be cleared out. And I, I don't think any Republicans should be dealing with them on anything because they're too thoroughly corrupt. Carter Laren, you're on with Jim Hoft. Do you have any questions for Jim? Questions or comments? Carter Laren. Well, I think that what I, you know, <laughs> Jim's story about T-Mobile is is chilling as well, right? Because that's not an app on your phone. That's that's the carrier, right? I mean, that's uh, that's that's pretty chilling. And so, I, you know, I think I a lot of people are hung up on the 2020 election being being stolen, and they they they're hung up on ballots and this and that. And I don't know the truth about any of that. And frankly, I don't care because the 2020 election was stolen by big tech because we know that if had they reported on Hunter Biden's laptop, Joe Biden wouldn't be a president right now. We know that they they we we see the Google meeting in 2016 where they say we can't let this happen again. We watched big tech pull a psyop right before our eyes to manipulate the 2020 election. And it's plainly obvious for anyone to see. So whether or not the ballots were there doesn't matter. The The election is illegitimate in my eyes because it was manipulated by big tech intentionally. And it's uh, it, it's hard to have any just, you know, not to black pill people, but it's hard for me to have any faith in this system when that is happening and it goes unpunished and unnoticed. And they're going to just do it again. Twitter just announced like, oh, the midterms are coming up. We're going to reintroduce our, quote, civic integrity policy. So, you know, they're just doing it right in front of us. Now, Jim, do you agree with Carter that this is no mystery? 
we have a who done it when we know who done it. Tech who done it. Do you agree with that, Jim? Oh, absolutely. And they broadcast this, you know, and we've caught them with their private groups that they have on Twitter where, you know, if you're if you're a leftist and you're high up and you have uh, some clout, then you can contact this private group and they'll take care of whatever you want. And uh, so this has been going on. We know it's been going on. Tragic. Um, I'm really glad that we're part of this lawsuit. Because uh, we're not getting any favors from the the RNC, from the Republican Party. They're sitting on their hands like they usually do. So uh, I'm really glad to be part of this. And uh, hopefully we'll see something happen. We have a really strong case between the doctors who've been censored. Some of the top doctors in the United States have had their accounts censored from uh, social media, from some of the research that they've uh, in some of the uh, just opinions they've had about COVID. And of course, Gateway Pundit has been censored all over the place for years. So, uh, it, you know, I'm really hopeful that something will happen here. And I'm going to say, I think this tactic broadly, tactic I see some Republicans doing increasingly, let's go to court. I see all the problems. Of, I'm going through a divorce, so I know the problems of the court system. But let me say this. I think you have a better percentage chance I think it's a higher percentage that you might get a good decision when you go through the courts. And attorneys like Harmie Dillon and among, um, among the ones and, and the lawsuits and Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch filing things. And like this lawsuit you're involved in, Jim, I think this is a good tactic because it it's not 100 percent. Nothing is in this corrupt system. But I think stuff going through the courts is a good, peaceful way to resolve it. And I think it takes on life of its own once it gets into court. So are you gratified? And you you know, Harmate, you've talked to her before. Do you see this new group of GOP lawyers out doing proactive work, bringing these issues to court? Tom Fitton, I saw after the Trump raid, immediately brought suit to say that the affidavit, the, the, forgive me, the, uh, the subpoena, I, I, I'm, I'm, skip, I'm getting the word wrong, but the, the warrant that caused the raid on Mar-a-Lago to be released. And so by August 15th, that's got to be released and then great work for Tom. So what do you think about that, Jim? Are you seeing a lot more Republicans taking the legal battle seriously? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's one way to go. And, um, you know, of course, it depends on the court you end up in. Uh, that that determines everything. But uh, uh, with uh, today, today we spoke with Christina Bob, who is one of Trump's attorneys, who was actually at Mar-a-Lago when uh, it was raided. And. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was just so shady when you start listening to her uh, story about uh, being locked outside and uh, they wouldn't allow her in. It was like 90 degrees. They wouldn't show her the warrant till like at the end of the day. I mean, it's just all this shady stuff that's going on. And um, she was pretty appalled that the FBI was doing this. She used to be a JAG officer, actually. But, uh, uh, it, you know, it is good to hear. Uh, I heard today uh, Merrick Garland said 
the attorney general said that they were going to release the warrant. Uh, he's ordered that they release it. Well, they sure as hell should. And he didn't have anything else to say. They're doing this fishing expedition, and there's certainly no crime that they could think of, but they're going to make one up. So they got to, they got to, but they are going to release this warrant. And, uh, you know, good for Tom Fitton and others to put pressure on the attorney general so that he would release this. Now, I got to say, too, because we're in election season, and like every Tuesday, a bunch of states have primaries. I will say that one positive thing about this raid of Mar-a-Lago, I think is exposed a lot of, I think it's exposed that the Democratic Party are fascists once and for all. That debate is over. And I'm seeing a, a crop of Republican candidates who I like, Kerry Lake, uh, Chris Kobach. They're, are you seeing that the next round of people running as Republicans or are mostly endorsed by Trump are, is looking like a good slate of candidates who won't take the Democrats' BS. Jim? I definitely do. And uh, there are several uh, wonderful candidates who've made it through primaries. And you know what's interesting, too, Lee? Uh, you come from the left. Uh, um, but um, to see that it's not just the left, but it's the, um, the Republican establishment who's actually going after a lot of these same candidates who Trump has endorsed. Um, it's really shameful. It's really this... This realignment we're seeing in politics, I believe, where it's, you know, it, it really is the elites against the people. And uh, the people are getting just, uh, you know, uh, smothered with this, you know, with inflation and high prices and just these horrible policies. But the elites, uh, they sure don't want people to stand up and do anything about it. So they're even the Republican elites are some, against some of these candidates. But I love them. I love Kerry Lake. I love uh, Blake Masters, like you said, Chris Kobach. We saw uh, the candidate win in uh, Wisconsin, the Trump-endorsed candidate, this Michaels, uh, this week. And so— uh, and, and we saw the woman with the best name among the candidates, Taylor Dixon. And we were talking about her with Tyler Nixon. So the name Taylor Dixon, you see why it's fantastic, Jim. But Taylor Dixon is the candidate for governor in Michigan, and another good one. And we had— on the show earlier, Allison Hayden, who's taking on Eric Swalwell and, you know, Fang Fang's boyfriend. And she is getting, we talked about the troubles she's facing with the Republican Party in California. And I think the Republican Party needs to be fired in California and get someone who's good at their job, any of the jobs of getting Republicans elected. You could say that for any state. No, no, good, good, good point. Now, Jim, do you think that the raid on Mar-a-Lago did represent what we will look back on as a turning point, a point at which after which nothing was the same? I'm seeing a lot of people. They were they saw they saw some of the problems with the Democrats, but they didn't see the urgency before this happened for some reason. Are you seeing that, too, Jim? I think so. I, I do. Of course, you know, we've been covering this for quite a while. So we've, we've seen what's been developing, what's happening. But I think this really opened a lot of people's eyes. It's just so stunning what they did. And, and again, the, when they do an a announcement today and you think they're going to give you answers and they don't, they don't have anything. Um, it really shows you just how out of control the FBI is. And really, like you said, the, uh, 
the establishment, the, uh, the Washington, D.C. elites, they're just uh, really, um, uh, they're certainly not for the people. A lot of people are seeing that today, thank God, uh, because uh, it, it, uh, we, we can't continue as a country, as a democracy, as a republic, when you have uh, this, this type of uh, behavior taking place and we have the, 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 the FBI is just completely out of control. And by the way, Lee, we're holding a protest in St. Louis, where I'm from, on Sunday. So if anybody's listening from the St. Louis area, we're meeting uh, by the FBI headquarters in St. Louis Sunday at one o'clock. So. And I live near one of the busiest intersections in Sioux Falls, California. So every day after a show, I walk out with a folding chair and I sit there with an impeach Biden uh, sign and I hold it up for the traffic. And so I'm just pointing out, congratulations on what you're doing, Jim. And I'm mentioning, you don't even need to do, you can protest with one person. Now, Jim, I want to play a clip from one of the attorneys who was raided by the FBI. This guy, Clark, let's play that clip. Hit it. Jeff, you were a high-ranking official in in the Department of Justice. However, recently you yourself have been dragged into the DOJ's crosshairs. Uh, The Center for Renewing America, where you work, has uh, called this a weaponization of government. With regard to what happened yesterday with the former president, if you could help us understand from a legal standpoint, if there is a precedent for this type of raid, and thus far does the speculation of probable cause uh, justify what played out yesterday? Well, uh, we don't know what the probable cause is. That's one of the simplest ways to answer your question. I'll refer to my own case and say I still don't have a copy of the affidavit that was used to obtain the warrant uh, for the search of my house. So it could be something that uh, the president's lawyers need to do wrangling in order to get access to, but they should certainly uh, try. And I think that a warrant needs to have that support uh, and not just be part of a, of a secret process. Uh, in terms of you know what the Justice Department is doing here with the president, I think it's entirely unprecedented. Uh, it's not to say that uh, anyone in America is above the law, because you're certainly going to hear that as the repeated uh, talking point from MSNBC and CNN. No one is above the law. Therefore, whatever uh, they want to try to do to Trump is proper. But that totally ignores uh, the memos of the Office of Legal Counsel, uh, the historical precedent, and in particular to do this as is being reported based on issues about documents when there have been so many document issues that prominent uh, Democrats have had that have been totally swept under the rug. It just, you know, it, it, it defies uh, rational explanation to think that this is really something that is not uh, explainable by pure politics. And Jim Hoff, what are you writing about? What What's the top story over at Gateway Pundit? Well, of course, uh, today would be uh, Merrick Garland's um, uh, announcement, uh, non-announcement announcement, where he really didn't say anything. And uh, we're also covering this uh, case. There was uh, reports of a person who shot at this uh, FBI building in Cincinnati. It looks like they captured the person, but they're not telling too much about him. And, and Jim, we're out of time, but people make Gateway Pundit, part of your information diet. Carl Laren, great appearance, great job guest hosting. And thanks to all our callers. We'll be back tomorrow on the best. And thanks to Allison Hayden, who's running for office in Alameda County. We'll be back tomorrow on The Backstory.